Welcome back to Koei's Questions. We are all guilty of stereotyping from time to time. Stereotypes don't have to always be a bad thing. They come from somewhere, right? Instead of trying to look past the stereotypes, maybe some good can come from embracing them and the individual cultures each state has. After all, it is a big country, and so there are bound to be some differences. So with your help, we want to spend this season investigating and answering one of Courtney's most in-depth questions. Which state has the coolest stereotype in America? headed a little farther out into the Rocky Mountain region to learn all about Idaho. When I think of Idaho, really the only thing that comes to mind, probably along with all of America, is potatoes. So I think about the big Idaho potato truck. Can't think of one thing. A potato. You know what? Canada can have them. You tell them that from Louisiana. That's the first land we'll sell. Potatoes. Because we are just big time Idaho guys. Yeah, I love Idaho. We could not have found a more perfect guest to represent Idaho this week than Frank. He likes running, skiing, doing martial arts, and loves being a grandpa to his 11 grandchildren. He's more formally known as the president and CEO of Idaho Potato Commission and has spent the last 18 years promoting Idaho potatoes. Did I miss anything? No, that's a pretty good summary. Thank you. I wanted to make sure I didn't have to ask you to tell us about yourself. That's no fun. So when we do our research for each state, we ask people the first thing they think of. And for Idaho, the only answer besides the emphasis that's put on certain syllables in the way you say say the name was potatoes. One person even said they were from England and couldn't tell you where Idaho is or what what it looks like, but they knew the answer was potatoes. So as someone who promotes Idaho potatoes, that has to make you feel pretty good, right? Oh, that's absolutely music to my ears. I've traveled to over 30 countries uh, promoting Idaho's potatoes. And as soon as I say Idaho, they say potato. And they always say it with a smile in whatever language they're they're speaking. It's a, and and it's funny what you said about the individual from England. I've had a lot of people say, I have no clue where Idaho is. I just know that I know it has to be a magical place because they grow the best potatoes in the world. I can't even tell you another state that grows potatoes. I mean, I'm sure there is, but y'all really embraced that stereotype and ran with it. What makes Idaho so perfect for growing potatoes? Well, and the irony of it is all 50 states grow potatoes. Really? Yes, all 50 states grow potatoes. But but in consumers' minds, when they're thinking potatoes, they're thinking Idaho. And uh, that's something that we've, we've taken a lot of uh, pride in, in making sure that's what comes to mind. And, and, and there's some real substance behind why Idaho uh, creates the best potatoes in the world. First of all, number one is our climate. We have a high desert climate here in Idaho where we have very warm days and very cool nights during the growing season, which is perfect for uh, growing potatoes. And of course, we have the mountains with all of the uh, rivers and streams that come off that that feed uh, an aquifer system as well as allow farmers to use a very sophisticated irrigation system to apply just the right amount of water. Not too much, not too little. And of course, we're famous for our volcanic mineral rich soil too. So you combine those three factors together, plus the most sophisticated uh, potato researchers and the best farmers in the world, you get the world's best potatoes. All right. 
right. You just have it zeroed in on how to make them perfect, don't you? We do. Uh, you know, I like to say no farmer has seen a, a, an imperfect Idaho potato, even though, you know, we know there's some imperfect ones, but uh, they're all their children and they take a lot of pride in every, one, every single one of them. Yeah, there's a lot of states like Iowa or Indiana, for example, that are known for things like corn, but fight really hard to say that there's more than corn there. Why do you think Idaho embraced being known for potatoes so much? Well, I think that that uh, comparison to uh, to Iowa or Nebraska corn, everybody knows that those states grow corn, but who cares? You, you don't go into a restaurant and when you look at the menu and, and you see corn, as an option, you don't look up at the server and say, now, did that corn come from Iowa? But if there's a baked potato on that menu, they're going to ask, is that an Idaho baked potato? And it's not unusual in a nice steakhouse for somebody to pay $10 for that Idaho potato on the plate. And I'm not talking about the steak next to it. I'm talking about the side dish, the Idaho potato. So, uh, yes, uh, there is something very unique uh, about the Idaho potato. Even though other states are known to growth certain products, uh, I would say Idaho is the only state that also is a brand. Because when you say Idaho, immediately you connect it to the product related to the brand name. And that, that branding has actually created a halo environment for a lot of agricultural products and, and business in general that comes out of Idaho. There's such a reputation for quality for Idaho potatoes. The assumption is, well, dairy and, and steak and, and everything else must be really good because it comes out of Idaho. So it's really good for the state's economy. Okay. Obviously not everyone in Idaho is a potato farmer, but for the people that are, you're a pretty important dude. What does a typical day in your life look like? Well, there is no one typical day for me, uh, but it combines with creating uh, advertising. Uh, every day I'm looking at different ways to, uh, whether it's at, on television, radio, uh, social media, where we're promoting, we're always looking for unique opportunities to leverage uh, our dollars. We have a limited budget really for, the, for this uh, organization to promote a, what, what it amounts to is a, a $1 billion revenue for farmers, uh, for potato farmers, Plus added value, it's another $4 billion in terms of, of value that comes to the state uh, through processing as, it, as a, a lot of those potatoes are turned into frozen potato products. So I work on the advertising, all the marketing marketing uh, promotion elements, which includes public relations, social media. We're dealing with research decisions. Uh, I'm doing a lot of interviews. Uh, probably I get a call from at least one, if not multiple reporters nearly every day. And so I'm always, always willing to promote Idaho potatoes in whatever format. Uh, I rarely turn anything down in terms of being able to, to talk about, about the potato here from the state. Uh, but, you know, there's always challenges. I mean, because we're dealing with an agricultural product. I mean, this past year with COVID-19, my typical day changed quickly. We were uh, adjusting very rapidly to try to compensate for the fact that all the restaurants shut down across America and 60% of our potatoes go into food service. So what are you going to do with those 60% of your potatoes? We had to get very creative in how to move those potatoes through retail where uh, potatoes were flying off the shelf. And so my day became very uh, flexible. I had to adjust very quickly and make some very rapid decisions in terms of how we can keep 
our potatoes moving and because you can't store these potatoes forever. You know, we have got sophisticated storage right. uh, systems that can keep potatoes for a year, but not longer than that. What did you do creatively to make it to be able to move your potatoes? Well, a couple of things I'll just share with you right up front. Uh, typically, potatoes that are going into food service are going into uh, 50 pound cartons. Uh, so they can go in there, they pop off the lid, and it's really easy for the chef, for the sous chefs to be able to access the potatoes, use the ones they want. They can specify the size potatoes they want, which tends to be bigger for restaurants. They want that big potato on the, on the side of the plate next to the steak, or they want to be able to make fresh cut fries. They want to be able to have a bigger potato because that's easier to, to move through the through their cutter. Uh, or in the processing, those that are going to go into our processors, uh, again, they want a, spe a, a specific size that meets their needs for their uh, high, high, high speed running uh, systems. So we had to take what were typically larger potatoes and move those into retail, which are typically either loose potatoes or in, in bags, five, 10 pound bags, for example. So the first thing we did is worked with our retailers to put, send those 50 pound cartons right to their shelves. And many of those shelves were empty because consumers, when it came to what they really wanted to have during a pandemic, in their pantries, it was potatoes. So I've made the comments that during the, the springtime of the pandemic, there were three things out of stock. It was toilet paper, it was sanitizer, and it was potatoes. And so we had empty shelves that we were moving all the retail product up. We had all these larger sized food service potatoes. We, we said, okay, just take those 50 pound cartons, set them right on those empty shelves, pop the lids off, and you got an instant display. So that was number one. And what was funny is the consumers were all of a sudden seeing these large Idaho potatoes that larger than what they normally would see because they would tend to see a little smaller potatoes at retail than they do at food service. But then there were some videos that showed up on YouTube with people coughing either unintentionally or intentionally on produce. And all of a sudden produce managers wanted to have their produce in bags. So we had to get creative. What do we do with these large sized potatoes that typically don't go in these five pound bags? They're just too big to, to fit in. It's like potato chips. You know, there's potato chips. People don't think about this, but the small bags, the small kind of lunch size bags, those are from smaller potatoes. So they'll fit when they're cut into uh, potato chip slices, slices, they'll fit in there better than the bigger bags. They'll have bigger sized potatoes. Maybe people have never really thought about that. I never have. Yeah, the packaging makes a, a huge difference. But so what we did is we again worked with our shippers and our retailers to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna put our bigger potatoes in a jumbo sized bag. We're gonna promote them as jumbo sized idle potatoes. They were eight to ten pound bags, and then we put those bags inside these huge bins that were a thousand pounds. A single bin had a thousand pounds worth of potatoes. We began to ship those. Uh, all, all across America, and uh, we shipped over 2,000 truckloads of these 1,000-pound bins. And retailers across America were picking up on it and bringing them into their stores with these huge instant displays. And consumers were flying out of the store stores with these uh, big potatoes. Stores like Costco and Sam's, Sam's Club, which like to have big size quantities, jumped on this. So it was great opportunity uh, for them to leverage our programs as well. So those are two of the quick things we did. But in, in the meantime, uh, we we're getting potatoes then in the shelves. But now you've got 
a lot of potatoes that consumers are buying and they're, they're taking them home. We had to educate them how to store potatoes because if you don't store them properly, they're going to go bad. Potatoes are alive. You know, we store them at, at the ideal temperature and humidity, but when it gets to the consumer into their homes, it's up to them to store them properly and don't put them in their refrigerator. That's one of the worst things you can do. You put them in a cool, dark place. A lot of people don't, don't have pantries anymore or they don't have cold storage or deep root cellars and those kind of things. But there's ways you can do it. So we were doubling down on our education to consumers how to store potatoes once you buy them. The other thing that we did is we, we doubled and tripled down on communicating how to use Idaho potatoes. We have nearly 2,000 recipes on our website, idahopotato.com. And I've said many times, you can, you can have Idaho potatoes for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a whole year and never repeat the same recipe twice from our recipes. And we were providing these more easy to use recipes in a wide range of, of ways, including lots of social media efforts we were doing, plus some electronic newsletters that we have, Tater Talk and Let's Eat, uh, that are available on our website, again, autopotato.com. And we were giving opportunities for consumers to experiment and use techniques they've kind of forgotten about. Uh, the other thing that's important to keep in mind is at this point, everybody was home. You know, the, the children uh, were no longer in school. Uh, no one was in daycare. They're all home. And then college kids were all coming home. So we got this wide range of children and teenagers and young adults all crowding into the home. And mom and dad are trying to figure out how do we feed all these people all, all of a sudden? And how do you do it economically? Or maybe somebody's working from home now or they got laid off. Well, potatoes turn out to be one of the most economic return on your on your investment, your grocery store investment you can find. And so we were having recipes that small children could prepare up to adults. And the fun thing about it is that everybody likes potatoes. You know, you put that, put potatoes on the plate, they're going to eat them. You put some other vegetable on there, you may be wasting it. But kids will eat potatoes. Teenagers will, adults will, and and uh, just love them, and they're, and they're loaded with nutrients. I've often called the Idaho potato the world's largest multivitamin because of the way it's packed with nutrients, including potassium, where most people are, are, uh, are, are low on. I know that the potato gets kind of a bad rep with everybody going diets and stuff like that, and I've had a few conversations about how healthy sweet potatoes are, but do Idaho potatoes compare nutritionally to that? Yes, if you we actually have uh, on our website, again, idahopotato.com, uh, nutritional comparisons to a variety of vegetables, including sweet potatoes. We compare very favorably to all vegetables. Uh, in fact, people think of loading up on bananas to get the potassium load. Well, there's actually twice as much potassium in a medium-sized potato than there is in a medium-sized banana. Uh, there's lots of vitamin C in a potato. There's all your B vitamins, which is unusual to find in one, in one vegetable. You know, where the bad rap comes from is, number one, is the, the fact that it's carbohydrate, but complex carbs are, are critical to brain health, overall health in, health in general. Uh, I'd like to point out that the American Heart Association has actually certified Idaho potatoes as a heart-healthy food. So the most respected health certification organization in America has certified Idaho potatoes as heart as heart healthy food. So the second thing that, that, that gets a bad rap isn't the potato, it's how you prepare it. 
if you're taking your baked potato and you're loading it up with lots of uh, uh, high fat or high sugar uh, condiments, then that's where the issue is coming, not from the potato. And we provide a lot of education on our website. If you want to go to a more uh, nutritional, healthy-based diet, use out of potatoes as a foundation and be wise in terms of what you add, out, add on to it. In fact, we just put on our website something like 80 recipes around the world with using out of potatoes. You can, you can pull a recipe from all over the world and, and uh, experiment with different flavors and spices and condiments, sauces and whatnot to have your 80 world, 80 country experience with a good old Idaho potato. That is really cool. And we work with a dietitian, um, especially with this season in the different states, and she prepares a recipe on our blog every week. I think she's. this is probably going to be the most exciting week for her because <laughs> it is healthier food instead of like spam in Hawaii or something like that. Right, right. You are sometimes referred to as potatoes' most faithful defender. Yes. In what ways have you had to defend the potato? Well, b back in uh, 2003, uh, that was the peak of the Atkins diet, where and South Beach diet and all these diets that were promoting go going on, going on high fat diets and eliminating carbohydrates from your diet, and that was that meant getting rid of orange juice and apples and potatoes. And uh, I went on a on a uh, media burst, if you will, uh, as soon as I was hired to to fight back. And that's exactly what I call it. We're going to fight back. You know, most of the produce industry had never been attacked like that. How, what do you mean we're, we're we're not healthy? They didn't know what to do. Well, my background <laughs> is marketing uh, consumer packaged brands, and you have to be willing to stand up and point out what your attributes are. So one of the things that I did is I went on and did a lot of uh, very interesting media. Uh, I was put on some shows where they, they had uh, uh, folks that wanted to attack me and uh, I was well-armed to fight back. One gentleman at the end of the interview said, you know what, he, and he announced he was on the Atkins diet uh, at the beginning of the interview. And at the end he said, you know what, Frank, you've convinced me that I'm gonna have a baked potato tonight. <laughs> so the next thing we hired Denise Austin who was America's favorite and most well-known fitness icon and contacted her to see if she would be interested in being our spokesperson to be on, t on advertising, TV advertising. Her first comment was she feeds, she feeds idle potatoes to her family, her, her two very athletic daughters, and her husband, very athletic, and herself, clearly athletic. They, they have potatoes regularly during the week. And so she was a very credible uh, witness, spokeswoman, Fried potatoes, and she represented the other potatoes uh, industry for ten years. You know, in many ways, it's it's unusual to have a spokesperson that long. Uh, but she was wonderful, great uh, representative, uh, just a great lady, and just uh, did a great, great job representing, particularly to women with children. She could relate to and and why potatoes should be on your plate. You know what's ha what had happened is people forgot how good potatoes were. I mean. Just to remind you, it was the lack of the potato in Ireland that caused the famine. People forget they still had cows, but cows were not enough nutrient value to keep them alive. A million people died because of the lack of a potato, which was caused by late blight. Um, I won't get into the details of the history of that, 
But the bottom line was it's the, the famine was caused by the lack of potatoes. Uh, I've always said, and I've traveled around the world, and I've often said there are three places in the world that are kind of mystical places when it comes to potatoes. One is Peru, because that's where the birthplace of potatoes. The second is Ireland, because of the lack thereof, or what impact it had on their their country, and as well as immigration into the United States. And then finally, Idaho, because of, of being known worldwide as the best potatoes. And no matter what country I'm saying that in, they're all nodding their head, agreeing that that's true. Three mystical places. Two of them are countries. One of them is a state in the United States. So, so I, yeah, I, I have had to defend the potato over and over again. I, even in Idaho, uh, we're well known by the fact that we have famous potatoes on our license plates, right? You probably knew that. I didn't know that. That's an exciting fact. So we have famous potatoes on license plates. And if you're really a diehard potato supporter like I am, you actually have an image of a baked potato with a little slab of butter on it too. So you can, that's a special plate you order that anybody can order. And, but when I first arrived here uh, nearly 18 years ago, there was a bill that was about to be uh, moved through the Idaho legislature to remove famous potatoes from our license plates. Uh, there were those who felt like it's time that we move on to not be so focused on potatoes and to be known for other things. And I went and testified against that bill uh, at the state legislature, and it was it was killed in the committee, so it never went forward. Uh, I had to remind people what potatoes means to the state. Not only the revenue, but the reputation it's created, a positive reputation. No matter where you go, if you say you're from Idaho, they always say potatoes, but they are always smiling at you. You say a lot of other states, and I could—I won't mention any states, but I've lived in several. <laughs> but you say a few states, you're going to get mixed reactions. Some might be positive, but a lot of times there's going to be a negative reaction to what first comes to mind because of the image of that state. But with Idaho, almost universally, it's potatoes. And who has a bad feeling about potatoes? Nobody. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. So, so it was important to defend it even in our own state. And that's, that was my point, is I've had to defend it in our own state to make sure that they don't lose what they have a value of. There's a, uh, a great war general, a Chinese war general named Sun Tzu. It's, he wrote a book called Art, Art of War. And one of his uh, principles is don't give up high ground. Once you've established your high ground position, don't give it up for anything. And my fear was we were going to give up high ground that we had already fought for since 1937 to establish. So I'm proud to say the famous potatoes are still proudly displayed on our license plates. That is a very good thing to have as you were defending for, because like I said, we are asking a lot of people about their opinions about a lot of states and Idaho is the only one that has only had one answer. <laughs> so you're doing your job right. <laughs> you know, uh, Coy, I will tell you this, we've done our own research and I, I could sum it up just the way you're saying it this way. Our research confirms that Idaho is known more for potatoes than any other state is known for any other thing. Absolutely. You know, you do those word cloud studies where you ask people, you give them a word association and, and, and you measure how many times that word's mm -hmm. mentioned. 
you see California and you'll see all sorts of words, different sizes, you know, uh, you'll see Hollywood or the, uh, the beaches or pollution or traffic or all sorts of things. When Idaho comes up, all you see is potatoes and very small on the, on the page, very small. The next largest word is Boise <laughs> and nothing else. So it confirms what you're saying. Our research for our, our research for, confirms as well as Idaho is, is known more for potatoes than any other state is known for any other things. And that's why I call Idaho a brand. It is a brand. It isn't just a state. Absolutely. And I'm sure people in the agricultural world will probably think this is a very stupid question. But for those of us who aren't, what exactly does the Idaho Potato Commission do besides just advertising? Well, it's a and it's what's called a checkoff organization. Uh, back in 1937, the farmers here in Idaho were very wise and very uh, uh, future thinking. And uh, they realized they had a very unique potato but they're not exactly where the population centers are. Uh, Idaho is not near any major population center. So how are you gonna get consumers in New York or Los Angeles or Texas to actually try your potatoes? Well, they all agreed that they needed to have an organization that would promote the potato. Well, in order to do that, you guys have some funds to do that. So in 1937, they went to the state legislature in Idaho and asked that they would create a legal checkoff, which means for every, and the decision was in, for every 100 pounds of potatoes, a certain amount, certain pennies would be uh, uh, paid, let's call it a potato tax, to a, an organization that would be under the state uh, of Idaho government. And that's, it was a different name at the time, but it's now the Idaho Potato Commission. And with that money, uh, it's now, set at 12 and a half cents per hundred pounds. So for just 12 and a half cents for, a hundred, for each hundred pounds of potatoes, which is less than one and a half percent of what they sell those potatoes for, uh, so a very low percentage of revenue is coming to this organization. With that, not only we do national advertising, we do all sorts of public relations programs, which is very creative. We I'll use the word leverage a lot, but I've learned how to leverage small budgets and make them look like a lot bigger than they are. Uh, by the way, we connect things together and, and connect the dots and make things work uh, synchronistically with other things. And uh, so that's, and we also do uh, 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 really, we're probably the most sophisticated social media agricultural organization in the country. Uh, we're involved on a daily basis in doing social media with a very small staff. You know, my entire staff, including myself, is 18 people. Oh, wow. And with those 18 people, Ooh. yeah, it's a very small staff. And we, of those six people, travel the country meeting with all of the retailers, all the food service operators, helping them, helping promote Idaho potatoes at the grassroots level. And so there's just a few of us at the, let's call it the corporate level. Although when you have 18 people, it's kind of hard to call it a corporate <laughs> Uh, the headquarter uh, level at Eagle, our city is where we're located is in Eagle, Idaho, which I think that's pretty appropriate. Um, and it's it's from there that, you know, we work with uh, two of our uh, two agencies uh, that work, one based in California, one based in Idaho. 
Uh, we also use another uh, uh, company based in Idaho to do uh, a lot of our promotion uh, programs that we do, buying things that will leverage things to like our, we have a, a toy truck that's a replica of our big truck that travels around America. We have a little mascot called Spuddy Buddy that people are ordering all the time. Uh, we have potato pins that says Idaho on it. People come in. We we invite Idahoans every year to come in and get 50 free Idaho potato pins. They can give out to their friends and neighbors every year. And so even all of our friends and neighbors in Idaho are promoting Idaho potatoes. We also do research. So uh, we have, we consider the best Idaho or best potato researchers in the world. Most of them were located in the University of Idaho up in Moscow, uh, Idaho, Northern Idaho. And uh, we spend over a million dollars a year in, in potato research. We also do retail programs. So we do display programs. We do a program during Potato Lovers Month, which is February, where we have a big display contest and retailers just compete and do try to do these huge creative displays, promoting what used to be the lowest volume month of the year, February. But now we're, we generate over 5,000 huge displays during that period of time. So we do that. And then we do this on the retail and we do other retail programs. We do uh, buying ads in the newspapers for, for the potato growers. On the food service side, we do all sorts of, uh, of education, training. Uh, we'll get our, our three guys that represent the food service sides. We'll get calls saying, hey, I'm having problems with my French fries. They're too dark. They're not, they're not crispy enough. What am I doing wrong? And they will fly there and help them, educate them, no matter what the size restaurant chain is, how to make better French fries or how to, how to expand during this COVID-19 year. What our guys were doing was helping restaurants develop curbside recipes, uh, drive-through recipes when maybe they were completely a fine dining or people had to dine inside to eat in the restaurant. We helped educate them on how to transfer a lot of their menus into more easy to use and more economical recipes using Idaho potatoes. So those are just a few examples of the things we do. Uh, obviously we promote some crazy things that we'll get into in a minute, I'm sure, like, like this big Idaho potato truck that travels around America about the dropping a, a, a 16 foot Idaho potato in front of the Capitol. Uh, for New Year's Eve and sponsoring the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Those are just a few of the things we do that makes the Idaho Potato and the state of Idaho one and the same. You really are so much more than just a potato. And I do have to give it to you. I went on the website when I was researching, and you probably have the coolest food website I've ever seen. There's even a quiz to find out what kind of potato you are. I'm mashed potatoes, by oh. the way. But have you ever done the quiz? Oh, congratulations. What kind of potato are you? Oh man, it depends on my it depends on my mood when I take the <laughs> test. <laughs> so I won't reveal. Okay, it just depends on your mood. I feel like mine would probably change with my mood too. It does change because sometimes I feel I'm feeling like a French fry, and other times it's a baked potato. But I'm telling you what, mashed potatoes is good anytime. They are. So, they're my comfort yeah. food. They are that. That means that you're a good person and, and people like you and they'll come to you for counsel and advice. <laughs> well, I don't know that they come to me for advice, but I hope people like me. Um, <laughs> with your, you know, the 
Potato Commission. Are there other like important agricultural things like that? Like, do you hang out with the Kansas wheat guy or the Georgia peaches guy, or is that not a thing? <laughs> well, in ways we do. Well, uh, so when we're working with, let's call it the uh, Washington D.C. folks, okay. uh, a lot of times things happen in Washington D.C. that are that are anti-agriculture. Mm-hmm. And we will work together with across the board with other uh, organizations that represent agriculture to to try to have a, a larger voice in making sure that uh, that agriculture is not forgotten. I mean, we're probably down to less than one percent, maybe two percent of Americans feed the rest of us. And only two percent of farmer or of Americans are farmers now. So if we start being too harsh on on farmers, the next ge- rising generation is just going to say, you know what, farming is just too hard and, it's, and there's too many risks. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. I'm just going to sell my land to go into housing. And then we, people start looking around and going, hey, how come we don't have food anymore? Well, it's because we created economic programs and incentivized people to stop farming. And we've got to we've got to be careful in in, in that in that uh, that risk, and so that's the areas in which we'll combine together most likely. But we've also done some cross promotions. We've done some things with the avocado organization. Uh, we've done things with uh, I'm trying to think some of the others, but we've we've done some cross promoting as well with other agricultural products that that do make sense to us. Uh, could be beef. It could be other things that uh, that make that make sense. Okay. When I was doing my research, I found a story about Kobe Bryant saving the iconic potato truck and how it was blown a little bit out of proportion. Tell us a little more about that. <laughs> oh, it's a great it's a great story and it's a sad story. Uh, but uh, Heather Cox, uh, who was a sideline reporter for ESPN at the time and a great lady and uh, a lady that we were working with uh, also uh, like we were working with Denise Austin one time we were working with Heather Cox and we continue to have a relationship with her on different things and 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 Heather shared with me some stories that because uh, we had put we had included her in one of our uh, potato truck commercials where our farmer the storyline on our farmer for 10 years is he We've sent out this Idaho potato truck to celebrate our 75th anniversary of the Idaho Potato Commission, and they're having so much fun, they won't come home. And he's trying to get this potato truck to come home. And so in one commercial, uh, it shows him with his spud hound in his uh, house, uh, getting ready to enjoy a, a baked potato. When he sees on TV, Heather Cox down at a football stadium saying, hey, we just found the, the big Idaho potato truck. It's here at the stadium. And he rushes off to get down there to see the truck. And of course, the truck is left before he gets there. And Heather has to tell him that it, he, he was too late. Well, because Heather appeared in that commercial, and she also, in during these all these college games, she would take these little spuddy buddy mascots that we have, or, which are as cute as can be. And she would have uh, the various cheerleaders hold them or put them on a head coach's desk and take a picture of them. So she was placing this little buddy buddy in the most crazy locations and doing photos that would then we'd post on social media. Look where buddy buddy was this weekend. Uh, I remember when he was posted on uh, Clemson's head coach's Dabo Sweeney's desk, uh, 
And Heather told me what a great coach he was, just what a great man he was. And so it was fun to hear that story and then see Spuddy Buddy sitting on the on his desk. And well, she told me some stories about, uh, and I won't I won't share names, but let's just say she, in one case she was uh, getting ready to uh, she before a major college football championship game, and she was interviewing the head coach of one of the two teams, and he brought up the bit, big out of potato truck and wanted to know if if she'd found it yet. And, uh, and so, and the Kobe Bryant story was this, this was during his farewell tour as he was retiring and she, Heather was interviewing him and she had had interviewed him a lot of times. And he actually started nicknaming her Spud. Hey Spud, how you doing? And cause he, she, he also knew she lived in Idaho then. So Heather actually had her and her family had, had, had moved to Idaho sometime before. And so there were two reasons he was calling her Spud. So she shared this story with me that 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 Kobe was asking, you know, when are you going to find that truck? It seems like you ought to be able to find that truck. Well, I shared that story with my nine commissioners one uh, during one commission meeting or a monthly commission meeting during a time where some of the commissioners felt like, well, the truck's been on the road for a couple of years. Maybe it's time to stop. And I'm saying, no way, you don't pull back to high ground. You don't give up high ground once you have established it. People all over America want to take their picture with it. Why would we take it off the road? Well, you know, I have to say not not all the time that my commissioners have the same views about marketing that, that I do. So I shared this example that when you have celebrities such as Kobe Bryant during what his focus is all on him during this interview, and he turns it around and he focuses on Idaho potatoes. You're doing something out there that's working. It's in it's in the top of mind. Well, as I shared this story, the end result was the commissioners voted to keep the truck running, and it's now been on the road for ten years. Well, the story we had some uh, there were some reporters there in the meeting, and the story is all correct. But the headline, because you know, there's always somebody else writes a headline from the person who writes the story. The headline by the headline writer was Kobe Bryant saves the auto potato truck. <laughs> and so, and so, so, uh, but as you read the story, you see, well, that's not exactly what happened, but what was funny is I was expecting, okay, well maybe, cause this became a huge story that would picked up across America, not just in Idaho, but uh, not just agricultural press, but all sorts of media was picking up that Kobe Bryant saved the auto potato truck. And I was expecting, that I'd probably get some kind of a call from a representative of Kobe Bryant saying, you know, what are you doing? Uh, but I, I never did. And I have to believe he had, to, he, every time he heard the story, he smiled himself, <laughs> you know, well, that was cool. I'm the hero of the potato truck. So, so that's the story of Kobe Bryant saving the auto potato truck. I would definitely tell people that if I was the one that saved that, I'd be like, yeah, I saved the potato truck. You know it. <laughs> That's me. That's me all the way. <laughs> so I knew there was the Idaho potato truck from the commercial, but I didn't know there was an yes. actual Idaho potato truck. And I'm a little disappointed I've never seen it. Like, I drive a lot. And I've seen the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile a couple times, but now I really want to see this yeah. potato truck. Is there, like, a schedule or <laughs> is it just kind of random? Yes. Kind of 
Yeah, well, let me let me comment on a, two or three things. One, there's 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 between eight and ten Oscar Minor Wienerville bills that have been running for almost a hundred years, and whenever our trucks on the road, the hot doggers, which they're called, who drive those trucks, they always connect with our potato truck because they want to take a picture of their Wienermobile with our big out of potato <laughs> truck. So even the Wienermobile wants to have a picture with our potato truck. So typically our tour starts in March and runs through uh, late late summer, early fall. We always post the, uh, the schedule on our website, idlepotato.com. You just go on there and you look under the link for the big auto potato truck. This past year, because of COVID, we had sent the truck out and it was just arrived in Florida in early March, right when COVID hit the United States. We made a difficult decision, but I think it was the right decision to, to immediately bring the truck back home. Mm -hmm. I did not want to be in a situation where the truck going from event to event, and it goes to these huge parades and huge uh, fairs and other huge events uh, where there's lots of people. And I just couldn't imagine if one of our three potato ambassadors that are on that truck, if they potentially got COVID from somebody and they and they're traveling, they transferred it to somebody else. I, that's not a risk I was willing to take. And so we made the hard decision to bring the, the truck back. It, it has only been in limited um, venues since that time, very controlled venues. It's not been tra traveling like it's been doing. I have yet to make the final decision about whether I'm going to recommend that we put the truck back on the road uh, this coming uh, March, April. Uh, if we do, it'll probably be very select venues that have a high control in terms of social distancing, masking, and those kind of things. Um, it's sad because last year was our 10th anniversary of the truck tour, and it, the truck tour lasted all of one one day, <laughs> besides traveling across America back and forth. Uh, but we have people that are that follow the truck. Uh, they will fall. They will go wherever it is and follow it, and because they love the people that we put on the the the, uh, the truck tour, they're always just really high energy, fun young people, uh, along with our driver, that just are very engaging and and uh, and of course we give out lots of free stuff from the truck and a lot of educational materials. So what I would suggest is uh, you know keep an eye on our website idopotato.com and look for announcements of the of the tour it is really cool like i don't think there's any other states that have groupies and you have potato truck groupies so we have potato truck groupies i mean and again what state in the u.s sends a pr vehicle literally around america Just... you know even oscar meyer is not a state vehicle it's a company vehicle and there's multiple ones this represents the state of idaho its most famous crop and there is no other state that can compare to that. So it reinforces why Idaho is known more for potatoes than any other state is known for anything else. Uh, and our truck is a great representation of that. And I, I'll tell you, it is so fun when our, when our drivers who are so used to when they're driving this truck across America, I mean, they're constantly waving, you know, people are honking at them. They're they're pull, they're racing ahead of them, pulling off on the interstate so they can take a picture of them driving by or a video. They follow them to the next exit they get off so they can meet the team and take pictures with them. Um, it's just it's amazing uh, on how 
how engaging people are with the truck. And what's funny is the drivers will tell me when they're when they're not driving the truck, let's say they're home and they're on, and they're in their own truck or their own car and they're driving down the road, they find themselves waving at people because they just assume people are still waving at them and they forget <laughs> they're in their own vehicle, but they probably look kind of strange. <laughs> they just look like the most friendly people around. Right, exactly, exactly. I did see where the potato was replaced at one point on the potato truck and the old potato was turned into the big Idaho Potato Hotel. Exactly. So one of our ambassadors, Christy Wolf, uh, and the ambassadors are, are the two individuals that travel with our driver with the, with the, with the truck. So if you hear me, hear me use that term ambassador, that's what I'm referring to. Christy Wolf was one of our ambassadors that, that traveled for a couple of years with the truck. She also was well known for building tiny homes. She had asked me a few times if we ever get rid of the original six ton potato, which was made out of what's what I call Hollywood concrete. Uh, could, could she get it from us and turn it into a tiny hotel? Well, it came after a few years that this uh, six ton potato started to crack a little bit and you can only patch it so many times and you start the cracks just start becoming more of a, da- a danger that they could maybe a part could come off and so we made the decision to go from a a hollywood concrete type material to a really thick fiberglass material the same designers that did the original potato did the fiberglass and it was the biggest mold they'd ever created in fiberglass and that fairly similar shape and size, but it was two tons less. So it's a four ton potato now because it's made out of fiberglass. And Christy sent me this really uh, engaging video, reminding me of her request to take the Idaho potato and and turn it into a potato hotel, a tiny hotel. And, uh, you know, obviously that was an easy, easy decision. Um, so we arranged to have it driven out to a, a plot of, of property that she already lo- owned and uh, delivered the potato there. She began to work on it. Uh, then we did a, a launch with uh, introducing the, the, the Idaho Potato Hotel. We donated this nice metal plaque that has a history of the potato as on the potato truck that we gave it to her and she placed on some a rail fence right in front of the hotel, the Potato Hotel. And then we had the big out of a tail truck with the new fiberglass one pull up there next to it. And we held a, a PR event to um, introduce the world to the big out of a tail uh, hotel. And we had an Associated Press, an AP uh, reporter there taking pictures. And that story went worldwide. And uh, she has basically been almost sold out on, uh, on people wanted to stay in the big out of a tail hotel since that day. So that that first potato continues to uh, do a, a great PR job for us. And people come from all over the world to stay in the Big Auto Potato Hotel because what bragging rights? And in fact, there was a, a social media uh, guru uh, that came and stayed in the hotel and he did a quite a nice video of his experience there and he, he said, no matter what conversation I'm in in the future, somehow I'm going to try to bring up the fact 
but I stayed in the Big Idaho Potato Hotel into the conversation. Absolutely. As soon as I saw that there was one, it went right on my list of places I need to stay. It's a bucket list and it's easy to get to. It's easy to get to. And it has its own cow named Dolly. And Dolly is like a dog. Dog, She wants to be petted and she wants to be fed. And uh, it's there's a you're, you're, the potato and this little silo that has a hot tub and a, and a, just a gourmet or a, uh, a spa type uh, uh, restroom is right next to the potato hotel. And, uh, and Dolly has its own, her own fenced uh, quarters all around the property. So you can come out of your hotels, say good morning to Dolly, head over to the silo and come back and then Dolly will want to get her ear scratched again. Again, it's, it's a unique experience. And, and what other Airbnb can claim they have a a, a cow there waiting to greet you. I don't know, but I cannot wait for this pandemic to be over to come <laughs> stay in the potato and pet Dolly. Well, we'd love to have you come here, Koi, <laughs> and we'd definitely uh, do, we'd show you a lot of uh, famous, iconic Idaho uh, elements around the, around the area, too. Yeah, I've actually never been to Idaho, so it was already on my list, but now it's it's moving way on up to the top of it. Moving up. So... <laughs> Plus, you're getting hungry right now, aren't you? I really All this talk am. about potatoes. Aren't you hungry right now? I am. <laughs> so am I. So potatoes are pretty incredible. They're very versatile. They can be made into french fries, baked potatoes, mashed potatoes, vodka, batteries, gnocchi. Like the list seems pretty endless. So I have to ask, what is your favorite way to enjoy potatoes? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've, I've heard it's uh, one of these little uh, memes uh, listed all the things about potatoes that you just did. Mm-hmm. And it closed by saying it's as if other vegetables are not even trying. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and you, you made the list. So, uh, you know, my favorite way to eat a potato is first of all, as a baked potato. Um, and I make, I turn it into a meal. So I'll have a big, large baked potato. I'll put uh, some low-fat sour cream on there because you don't you give up very little flavor by going low-fat versus uh, full-fat on sour cream. I put chives in there. I put ground pepper. I put some jalapenos, and if I want to put a little protein in there, I'll have some grilled chicken in there, and uh, a few black beans uh, to give a color variety and a little more protein coming from a plant source. And then I'll put a little bit more uh, ground pepper on there. Uh, and just a touch of salt. And to me, that's that's per- perfection. Uh, but I also, I mean, I'll take smashed potatoes. I'll take the smaller bakers, smash them, bake them. And then you get that crispiness of part of the, the, the solid in the side as, coming out as you break the skin. But then you get the crispiness of the, uh, of the potato on the outside. And of course, you can't go wrong with French fries. And I like them in all the forms, whether it's steak fries, shoestring size, uh, battered, whatever, you know, they're all good. And then again, as I mentioned earlier, mashed potatoes are uh, always, uh, for me, a go-to comfort food. And I almost don't even want to put gravy on them. I'll just put, again, some pepper and some butter on there and just get the flavor, the starchiness of the potato that comes out by the mashing of it. And, uh, you know, it's it's like my 11 grandchildren. They're all my favorites. So when it comes to potato dishes, Uh, They really are all my favorites. 
that is such a perfect answer. You've practiced that, haven't you? <laughs> uh, maybe once or twice. <laughs> so when you do put gravy on your mashed potatoes, do you put brown gravy or white gravy? Uh, I'm typically a brown gravy guy. You know, I was um, hoping you were going to say white gravy because everybody picks on me for that. I was going to be like, um, the Idaho potato guy says it's okay. Well, it is okay. And I said typically because there are certain <laughs> dishes where a white gravy is the appropriate gravy. So if, you know, if you're, if you're going to go with, say, a lamb chop or a pork chop, white gravy is your choice. If you're going to the steak, then you're going with the, or with a hamburger patty or something. You're, you're going with brown gravy. All right. So that's, I can still use, you told me it was okay. So I'm still yep, happy you with tell that. Me, you can tell me you're okay. So if we weren't hungry before, we sure are now, right? <laughs> yes. What is something everyone should know about Idaho? Well, you know, obviously my no question asked, <laughs> I'm going to say um, it's, it's more, Idaho is more than the potato. And people will, will say that all the time. You know, we've got to make sure people know that Idaho is more than potato. And I always say it's, they should know that Idaho is potatoes and, and even more. Uh, and, less, and less about being negative about wanting to be known for something other than the potato state, be known for the potato state that because of that, that foundation of quality, they, the state's known for so many other great things. And uh, that's what I wanted, want, want people to know. And, you know, a lot of people have actually moved here uh, to Idaho. A lot of people are moving from the West Coast to Idaho. And it's known as a very friendly, uh, conservative state. Uh, people, people look out for their neighbors. Uh, there's an agricultural foundation here. There's a, but there's a huge growing urban side to this. And, and I hope we don't lose that balance as we become more urban here in the state. We, we don't, don't lose what made this state what it is. And that is this agricultural foundation. A lot of states that are based on technology, you know, the jobs can be outsourced. They can be sent across the ocean. They can be sent all, all over the place. But when it comes to agriculture, it's pretty hard to relocate land. You know, if you've got the right climate, the right land, the right soil to grow a perfect crop like we do in here in Idaho, this is where it's going to stay. And the farmers are not going to move out of the state. They're going to stay here. They're going to build the farm and hopefully generations to come will come after them. And so I hope we never lose that agricultural heritage that we have here. Um, later in the season, we are going to have voting for the coolest stereotype in like a bracket-like competition. Mm -hmm. And up until this interview with you, I thought Alaska was going to win. But now I'm, I think you might win. <laughs> I think you might. So do you think you should win the coolest stereotype in America? You know what? There is no state that is more qualified to be considered the stereotype of what it's known for than Idaho and potatoes. And let's not to throw Alaska under, under, the, under the bus, though, because, I mean, if you take uh, Alaska uh, cod or Alaska salmon or, I mean, you're not going to eat it by yourself. What are you going to put next to it? You're going to pair it with an Idaho potato. And we could go across every state who will bring up their most favorite uh, product. Uh, every one of them will taste better with an Idaho potato, uh, whether it's a French fry or mashed potatoes or a baked potato. So at the very foundation, and like our current commercial is called Side Dish, 
And we're showing that the potato from Idaho is anything but a side dish. It's the star of the show. And so my answer is yes, Idaho should be the star of your voting. What state do you think will give you the most competition? Or do you think there just really won't be any competition? Idaho's just going to win. You know, it depends on how people are thinking. I mean, if they, if you, you think about Hawaii uh, and you get into pineapple or you get into the beaches and people want to go there, you know, that's great. But there's so many other things. I mean, Hawaii, if you say Hawaii, there's a lot of things that come to mind. If you say California, again, there's a lot of things that, that come to mind. Um, Georgia will give us a little bit of uh, a battle because people do think of peaches. Um, but, you know, how many ways can you serve up a peach? It's not as it's not as flexible. There's not as much variety of what you can do with a peach as you can do with an auto potato. So I would dare say that we could line up against any state uh, in the U.S. and say, again, Idaho is known more for the potato than any other state is known for anything else, bar none. I think you're right. I think you're going to win. I'm going to put this on there. Now watch. Everybody's going to be like, no, Courtney, they're not. But I think you're going to. Well, if I have to do a second interview to, to make sure that happens, you just you just give me a call. <laughs> I will. If you start having a lot of competition, I'll be like, um, we need to we need to up the potatoes over here. <laughs> well, hey, then, let me can I throw out a couple more things for you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I if in order to compare Idaho to any other state, I would I would here's what I would ask voters to consider: What other state sends a six ton or a four ton potato across America promoting it itself? What other state has its own uh, college football bowl game called the famous Idaho Potato Bowl played in Albertson Stadium? In other words, the potato bowl is played in a grocery store. Name me one other bowl game in America that has a better connection between the name of the bowl game and its title sponsor and the actual stadium they, they play in. What other state has a mascot called Spuddy Buddy that the mascot, as it runs around during our bowl game, ESPN has declared it to be the best bowl mascot in bowl history. And it's a potato. Uh, the potato hotel. You can actually come to Idaho and stay in a potato hotel, but you got to you got to you got to get your reservation in way in advance because it's that popular. And uh, you also, if you want to come here and run in a marathon, we have the famous Idaho Potato Marathon every year, and uh, we also sponsor a group called Rod's Racing, which is racing for orphans with Down syndrome, fueled by Idaho potatoes. We help. We've helped now over fifty orphans with Down syndrome around the world be adopted by folks here in America. And we are the foundation sponsor of that organization. So there's a lot of things we do that are that are good. Um, and then of course, we drop a big out of potato in front of the state's capital. What other state in the US drops anything in front of their own state capital? Only Idaho does that. And last, back to the bowl game, what other bowl game, instead of dropping a, a big container of water or Gatorade on the winning coach, drops French fries? Where the winning coach can actually take a snack with him to the to the victor stadium or victory stand. So there you go. There's my there's my final arguments. <laughs> I don't absolutely steal the win. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> 
So I have one final question for you, and it doesn't have anything to do with potatoes. Yeah. But just because I get to talk to people from everywhere, and I have a theory. When okay. you eat an Oreo, are you a twister or are you a dunker? Oh man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be really, really honest. I'm a chocolate chip cookie guy. Ooh. Uh, Oreos to me are the cookie that okay, if that's all we've got. Okay, I'll start eating them and then I'll, I, I can't stop. You know, it's not my yeah. go-to cookie. So for me, uh, because I've never really understood what the stuff is inside, I don't like the double stuff because if you can't define what it is as a food, then I don't want to eat a lot of it. <laughs> but but so I will eat, I will eat I will eat the whole cookie. Uh, I I don't dunk them in milk. I'll have milk on the side. I don't dunk them. Um, and I don't tear them apart. I don't, I don't twist them apart either. So you just eat it like a sandwich. I eat it like a sandwich with the milk on the side. Jay eats it the same way. He's going to be so excited that somebody finally eats it like him. (laughs) But I have to admit, I'll be disappointed. There weren't some homemade uh, chocolate chip cookies there instead. Absolutely. So which you can make with potato flour as well. <laughs> can you? I didn't even know potato flour was a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. And you and use you can use actually out of potato flakes, which is dehydrated potatoes, to make uh, ice cream or chocolate milk. I am going to have so many kitchen exper- experiments after this week. We got 1,600 recipes waiting for you on our website. I will check it out. Uh, let me throw one more little quote in there for you, too, yeah. to use if you'd like. So, because this is kind of a fun number of people in this back that we've been talking about the bowl game. So every year we harvest between 13 and 14 billion, that's with a B, billion pounds of idle potatoes. That's enough idle potatoes to fill Albertson Stadium or really any football stadium in America, end zone to end zone, one mile high. That's That's a lot lot of potatoes. potatoes. Every year. Um, Thank you so much for hanging out today and teaching us all about Idaho potatoes. It was wonderful having you on here. And be sure to stay tuned when voting starts to vote for Idaho and be one of the three states representing the Rocky Mountain region in the search for the state with the coolest stereotype in America. The first state you're up against is Colorado, and they also have another very well-known stereotype. This is Frank Muir from the Idaho Potato Commission, and I answered Coey's questions. We can't find the answer to the state with the coolest stereotype in America without y'all. Come join the search at coesquestions.com slash mystatesbetter. There are lots of ways to join the search. Tell us what you think, be part of the intros, represent your state, vote, and share it with friends. Do one of them or do them all, but we are finding this answer together.